HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and reach out to me if you have any questions. You can find me on email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and on social media, at the Foodballer. Today's episode number 61 of Feast Your Ears. I was lucky enough to sit down January 21st, 2017 at the Good Food Mercantile at the Fort Mason Center in San Francisco, California, and interview Elias and Michelle Cairo. They're the brother and sister behind Portland, Oregon's formidable meat company and restaurant group, Olympia Provisions. They're the largest buyer of pigs in the state of Oregon and are working with farmers to change how the animals are raised. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to another live episode of Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, and uh, I'm really pleased to have my good friends uh, Michelle and Eli Cairo in the uh, studio, such as it is here, the, the room that we're using here in Fort Mason to step in or stand in for the Heritage Radio studio here at the Good Food Mercantile. Thank you, guys. Thank uh, you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I, uh, I, I want to point out that, you know, obviously the people who have been listening understand that this is all related to the Good Food Awards. I believe you guys, Olympia Provisions, is the winningest company at the mm-hmm. Good Food Awards ever. I think so. This is our 11th, and I like 11th. the word winningest a lot. That's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, that's, uh, I think that's amazing. You know, this is the premier uh, awards for good food and, you know, real food. Um, and you guys have won more awards than anybody, so that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. We love it every year. It's like, what do we do without them? You know, we needed somebody to champion all these amazing producers and actually do it, not only from being delicious, but making sure it's responsible and 
Make sure um, you're you having a good impact. This morning in conversation actually among a bunch of retailers um, where it was mentioned that uh, in your in your book, which uh-huh. is beautiful and people should check out, the Olympia uh, Provisions Cookbook, um, you know, you talk about the fact that actually winning the first award was sort of the thing that actually made the business work. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I came down here and I was my only employee at the time. In the meat department, you know, I was making all the sausage, doing all the USDA and everything. We won this award. Michelle entered everything. And I was doing the farmer's market <clears throat> with Tyler, my business partner. And uh, we're slicing up salami. And Sam Morgan from Byright comes up. And he, you know, I'm a huge, you know, I, everybody knows of Byright. And uh, he introduced himself. And it, didn't, it took me a second to s- sink in. And he's like, this is really delicious. Is there any way... Uh, I can get a, or a an application to get your product. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you bet, bud. Like, I'll just figure this out and ship it out to you. Totally lied. Had nothing going on. You know, tried to make it as big as we could. Got home and told Michelle. I was like, Byron like, wants me take to carry to- our product. Like, <laughs> figure this out for me. Let I me take it back make- to the team. Yeah. Let me take it. Okay, and I'm in the hotel yeah. room by myself and yeah. I'm the team. Right? Yeah. yeah, let me get this. Ship that over to HR and then packaging. And then, yeah, we'll get that down to... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great though. Um, so let's well, let's take a little a little step back. So uh, obviously uh-huh. we we know each other, and so we're very comfortable sort of chatting and riffing. Um, listeners may not be as familiar. Um, I hope that everyone listening has tasted the wonderful products from Olympia Provisions. But can you guys give a, a sort of brief introduction of the company, mm-hmm. um, how it got started? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So in. Uh, to go way, way back. First off, Michelle's my sister. We have the Cairo sometimes throws people into a loop. Point, I was they, point they, that they think they were married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and um, I did an apprenticeship. So it goes way, way back, is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Like, About yeah. back to 1970. Yeah. 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did a I did a Swiss apprenticeship. Um, up in the mountains where I learned how to cure meat from an amazing man. And uh, long story short, I come back to Portland, Oregon after five years of doing it. Michelle and I are walking around a beautiful farmer's market. Uh, We're getting a picnic together and wine to go get drunk and enjoy it and have a great time. And I'm like, we need a stick of salami. And Michelle's like, I don't know if anybody produces salami here. And I was like, I do. Michelle, let me tell you about it. And, you know, this was 2003 probably. And she was kind of like, you're crazy. Uh... You know, nobody's going to eat this high-fat meat and salami. She's like, and you are flat broke, so go get a job. And I just never let up. I was like, Michelle, this is what I want to do. And then in uh, 2009, I borrowed money from my sister. And she is a finance, you know, she was in the finance world. What were you doing? Opus? You were the... At that point, I was the director of finance for the power company. Yeah. Just that. And I was making sausage. (laughs) And then, you know, we... uh, I opened up in a small 900 square foot room and was Oregon's first USDA approved curing facility that we got the true, you know, like talked to the USDA, wanted to cure meat my way. I didn't want to cook. I wanted to slow ferment and use all the degree hours I possibly could and do it completely natural. And with Michelle working on the HACCP with me and doing the food science, we slowly but surely made it. And then that year we won three Good Food Awards. Michelle was still working her cush office job. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day. Yeah, and then we started shipping more product out. People like you started purchasing us from New York. I think you were 2010 is when you started getting our products. So like within the first year, which is amazing. Um, And, you know, Oprah wrote something about our chorizo. And it started, this web store wasn't up and running. And Michelle was, you know, I was on the phone all day. She'd be commuting to work. And I was on the phone and I was like, she was literally like, you're missing so much opportunity. And I'm like, I think we are missing so much opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, she had that, like, when she first said it, I was like, are you kidding? You're going to quit your actual job that makes money and come work with your little brother in this little tiny meat company? And 
thank God she did because it has obviously changed the whole thing and we are a real professional company and hire have or excuse me, we have 180, 180 employees right wow. now. Oh, right, because with the restaurants yes, and everything. The restaurants, restaurants, farmers markets, demo that. people. Yeah. And uh, you know, bustling web store and all the all the all the stuff except the sausage, Michelle, make sure it comes together. The web store, making sure we get to hire great people and yeah, so it wouldn't be here without her. Or you. Oh, thanks, Joe. You better win a good food award next year. So. You bet. <laughs> I'll keep yeah, trying. you guys are on a good streak. Do you worry? Do you worry <laughs> that you're going to fly and like, not win? Every year I'm like, yeah. Yeah, what's going to happen? Like, and, and, and just so, so those listening understand, with the, the good food award and the, the sort of the, um, the universe of the good food mercantile is very congenial, but the awards are incredibly above board and it is a completely oh, yeah. blind tasting. So mm-hmm. just in, let, lest anybody worry that we're all friendly and, oh, you're going to win an award. No. no. It is completely <laughs> blind mm-hmm. um, and the things that are the best are the things that win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite amazing. I did a, I was on, I did one of the tastings I think like five years ago and it's just amazing how much product and what goes on to the organization Man, I think and it was how 2, blind. 2,000 entries this year? 2,000 entries. I mean, it's and they're just amazing in all this category, the meat category. There's so many delicious products, and there's, it's great. So I'm every time I get really excited to be nominated and equally nervous. This time when I, I think we had three finalists. All three were finalists, and only one won. The Landrochink and but yeah. Michelle, like when I won, I was like. Michelle simply said, you only won one. <laughs> I and I was like, are you kidding me? I say that Michelle, part in jest. Like, are you kidding? Like, that's, like, I, I was like, yes, it instantly just got, you know. And, so that, and that's a new product for you. So, so, I mean, you guys, I think, are best known for your um, original salami. I mean, your small format mm-hmm. fermented salamis. But you do a whole host of other things now. Yeah. What is um, our SKU list? How many products do I have? 76. 76 different products. And that spans not just meat. You guys have pickles. pickles involved in that as well pickles chocolates you know it's with our restaurants as we've noticed is you know we, we make all this amazing products and then we have really talented hardworking people that make it as well and then they uh you know they <clears throat> have ideas and want to stay with the company and sure we if we have a small space as we keep growing we give it to them and we utilize it and then we get a following and yeah, so the pickle room's quite amazing right now he's making a lot of pickles and you know, people are really receptive to it so that's growing nicely and He's managing it all, and yeah, it's so. Tell great. me about uh, tell me about the the new the product. I don't even know how to pronounce the it. Landrauchschinkel. Yeah, Landrauchschinkel. Yeah. So yeah. tell me about it. What is it? Uh, it's the longest name product I have. Seventeen letters. <laughs> all right. Seventeen letters, and this is you know our marketing more our, expensive our packaging, marketing is department that? really loves the names. It's, every time I come up with these names, they're just like just no, like just name it smoke dried ham damn it <laughs> uh, but it's a swiss mountain ham um, i learned to make it or i've learned how to make it since my apprenticeship and i've always really loved it so we take the entire loin of the pig keep all the skin on it and the entire fat back so the lardo and then the loin and then we salt it like you would a prosciutto so it cures for you know 20 days in salt then i pull it out and i burn sugar and I dip the entire loin in burnt sugar, and then I hang it. I toss it lightly in juniper and rosemary, and then I hang it and then smoke it for 18 hours over applewood and a little bit of uh, hickory. And it's just beautiful. Like the for, color. For people beautiful. who are listening, it is as good as it sounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, and it's you know there, there's some of these products that I like. I just have so much faith in. You know, like I really want them to win and do well, but it's hard to get people to try them. And so yeah. 
it was I think it was huge that I won it. I mean, I, I think it, it represents for me something that I've always thought was really special about you guys and what you do, which is that you're willing to kind of take risks, right, and make things that nobody else. I mean, yeah. salami, salami. Honestly, looking at what's out there now is a safer choice, right? There are a lot yeah, of people sure. making salami. Absolutely. But I, I very clearly remember the first time I ever came uh, to see you guys in Portland. Hanging up in your restaurant above the bar was an entire mm-hmm. pig. Yeah. Yeah. that had been taken apart and looked like a bat <coughs> hanging up there curing like prosciutto yep. but it wasn't just the legs yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I remember I remember sitting there <laughs> eating lunch and looking and being like oh that what wait a minute yeah. that wait is that what I yes that is what I think <laughs> yeah. it is it is a half a pig that is curing hanging up in the rafters of the restaurant yeah I, yeah we have way too much meat time on our hands. <laughs> and this one, there's an actually, a, this one was taken from, there's an amazing man, and I can't think of his name in Spain, but he cures half hogs for restaurants, exactly wow. like that. And he hangs it off of very unique, like he'll hang it off of a tooth and an eyeball, and he'll weight the tail, and it turns into these really beautiful Dali esque, like sculptures. And then, oh, like, as it, makes, it hangs, yeah, just, it like, just like, yeah. like a slow like liquid ours. kind of. Yeah, oh, and me whoa. and Tyler couldn't get enough of this guy, and I started producing like one a year for us and now it's yeah now it's just fun but I love one day we'll it. sell it as a product yeah a whole pig you buy it in the, hanging in the Brooklyn kitchen it's pretty <laughs> for cool for sure I mean, well I, I think I mean I think you know what it makes me think of is that it's it is not it's not something to just put on a menu it's not something to just have inside it's something to create an event around absolutely it's something to say this thing is coming there's only one yep we're going to have this event. It's going to go all day. There's yeah. going to be lots of drinking, uh-huh. whatever, and we're going to cut this thing apart and eat the, yeah. try to eat the whole thing. Try to eat the whole thing. Do exactly. it in the summer. We have lots of melons, something, <laughs> tomatoes, <laughs> yeah, <right>. or lettuce. <laughs> but yeah, we should definitely. Yeah, it takes a year and a half to make, so yeah. let's get it on the books. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's totally, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, uh, so you guys are from a Greek family, yes, right? Uh huh. Um, what What is that like? You know, I mean, I have like a sense of what that means, <laughs> but I, you know, I grew up a Jewish kid in New York, so like that, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I think that the media would have us believe that like Greek families are like loud and eat a lot and drink a lot of wine. Yes, Is that sort yeah. of what it's about? Yes, uh, yes, still to yes. this day. Yes, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I mean you've seen my feedback. Our what am I? Fat Greek wedding. That's essentially yeah. spot on for us. It Our is. family is so exactly that. You know, we all work drink. together. My mom's our demo person. Yeah. My niece yeah. is our sales person. Like, it is yeah. a very Greek family. Family, <laughs> family oriented. Yeah, That's, exactly. Uh, and so, uh, you guys, you grew up in Utah. Mm-hmm. But you weren't, a, you weren't from Utah, right, originally? Uh, I was, me and Michelle and I were both born, were born, born in Utah. Utah. Yeah, Utah. And did your parents, did, did yeah. your dad emigrate directly from Greece to Utah? To Chicago. Okay. And then and he was, yeah. That makes more sense. So yeah. I was trying to figure <laughs> out, like, did the Mormons suck him in or something? There are a lot of Greeks in Utah because really? of the copper mm-hmm. mines. So during huh. the Greek Depression, they all came and worked in the copper mines. I did not know and that. So they, and a lot of them stayed. And so it's a huge yeah. population mm-hmm. of Greeks, actually. That, I, I, I find that so bizarre to think oh, about yeah. compared to the Mormons yeah. who are weird. teetotalers. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just like I'm just like trying <laughs> to like figure out how those two things kind of collide. Yeah, yeah it was a definite unique upbringing for sure. I mean, you we kind of talk about it in our books, but, uh, you know, we'd be going to work on Sunday or, you know, going like when people are getting ready in our neighborhood, it was kind of suburbia, but it was like horse property. We each had about an acre and our dad turned it into like a full operating suburban farm, goats, pigeons, <laughs> ducks, chickens, 
but we had like 110 it was pigeons. So embarrassing. And it was just amazing. <laughs> For me, I loved it, you know. And uh, I mean, you say you say embarrassing, right? I mean, as a teenager, but like, but looking back on it, looking now. back on it now, right? I mean, oh, it's amazing like an now, but like, sure. you know, we are like surrounded by all these blonde hair, blue eyed, lovely children, and Perfect we have like goats hanging off yeah. of our swing set that our dad would be yeah, slaughtering exactly. for a party or mm-hmm. something. And we would, after church on Sunday, we, you know, the whole Greek church, my godfather and everybody would come back and we would be spit roasting, uh, you know, until the sun comes up in the morning and roasting and drinking and dancing in our front yard and all this, you know, the Mormons weren't having it. They were just like, <laughs> Naked statues in the front yard. Right. Oh, Pil- man. We yeah. had pillars. pillars. Like, nice. Uh, Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's was a, there? I mean, was there? A, so, so you guys were the family then. That the Mormon kids were like, God, I hate my parents. They're so boring. I want to go hang out at yep. the Cairo house. Totally. Oh yeah. Oh, we had and all my the mom, caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> Our mom was such a loving mother. Cooked for the whole neighborhood. You know, like we. I don't think there was a day in our life we woke out without baklava on the table or like every Greek pastry. It was just consistently there all we day, were fed every well. day. Candies and yeah. And then we'd go to their house and be like, oh, my God, you guys have fruity pebbles? Oh, my pebbles? God, we were so excited Can about fruity pebbles. Can we please have a fruity pebble? Right. Wonder like, bread? Oh, my Wonder God. Wonder white bread? What do you mean? Yeah. Is this American sliced cheese? <laughs> like, can we just have a cheese sandwich right now? No feta? Is it garlic? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I think I've, I've, I've told you this story once before, but I'll tell it. It's uh, me and Michelle one time we were... Uh, our principal called my dad and my mother into into class into school, and my father shows up and uh, the, the principal looks at my father and he 's like, "Your children are being too disruptive in class. The children around them are all complaining because you reek too much like garlic." <laughs> And not only did not only not only did we consume uh, an ungodly amount of garlic, but my father and my mother would pin garlic into our clothing for the evil eye. So oh, we were toting wow. around garlic, oh, man. and we so. stunk like garlic. And then when my father, they, they, you know, the principal told my father, and my father just had a really thick accent his whole life, you know, and he stood up and like pushed the table back, and he was like, "Your kids, your kids smell like detergent and Jello." <laughs> and he grabbed it, grabbed Michelle and I, and we, we go running out. And he wasn't, he was not having it. It was. It's kind of awesome, but that sums it up in a, you know, we were, we were to the only, we had Billy Valamis, who's yeah. a Greek, Michelle Cairo and Eli Cairo in the entire school, elementary like 3, school, children. was all, <laughs> all LDS. And I love them. I, know, I mean, they're great, great people, but we were definitely stuck out reeking yeah. like garlic and <laughs> smelling the only people that drink coffee. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned in the, uh, in the pre-show questionnaire, I asked you about what the first thing you learned to cook was, and you said scrambled eggs with feta and Greek coffee. What's Greek coffee? Turkish coffee. Turkish yeah, coffee. Yeah, where ah. you boil it three times yeah, and you sure. add the sugar, but yep. yeah, like that. Does it have cardamom in it like Turkish coffee does, or it's just... No, and most people don't. They Got just it. finely ground yeah. But the Greeks, the Greeks say that they invented of Turkish course. coffee. Of course, that makes so perfect we don't, sense. Of course. It's not Turkish coffee. It's Greek coffee. <laughs> it's yeah. Greek coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they invented government, right? Isn't yeah. It? yeah. I mean, like, you know. I'd say that and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. 
I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chichua, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. So tell me a little bit about the about the restaurants. So you, in 2009, started uh-huh. making sausage alone in a room. Yeah. And fast forward now almost eight years mm-hmm. from one employee, you have almost 200 employees. Yep. Tell me about, so, and then how did, how did you get into the restaurant business? So, yeah, you know, uh... When I came back, I started cooking at a really nice restaurant called Castagna. I became the executive chef. And there I friended a, uh, the front of the house manager was Nate Tilden, my business partner. And he opened up in the Ace Hotel, the Clyde Commons. Yep. And uh, at this time, everybody knew I wanted to open up a charcuterie shop. I could, you know, I was working as a chef throughout the day and at night I would be learning PASIP and CFRs and all that boring junk for the USDA. And then Nate, at his wedding randomly, he's like, you know, Eli, I'm opening up a charcuterie restaurant and it's going to be charcuterie focused, but we're just going to make it in-house. And I was like, I'm this close to opening up my USDA plant. Let's get a beer when you get back from your honeymoon. He sat down and he's like, it's going to be me. And I was like, wow, I'm trying to get out of restaurants with everything in my entire power, <laughs> but this sure seems like it might be a fun opportunity. And I asked Michelle, she thought it was a good idea, and we kind of looked at it. And so, yeah, they actually opened up the, the same, same day. The same day. Yeah. And that was the space where I first visited yeah. you guys, right? Yeah. Got so it. the little meat shop in the Got back, yep. full restaurant in front. Yep. Yep. I don't recommend that to anybody do when opening a USDA meat plant. <laughs> do not attach it to a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet the inspector does not love that. Yeah, it was just a bad layout. Restaurants and meat plants should be separate. But, you know, we were... Wild so we did it twice. And then, yeah, we, we thought it was such a bad it, idea. We should do it again. So then we opened another <laughs> restaurant two years later, but with a meat shop behind it again. Mm-hmm. That one was 4,000 square feet, and I had three employees in the meat plant at that time. And then that lasted two years and got us three more Good Food Awards or four more Good Food Awards. And then two years ago now, we opened our first real grown-up meat plant, and it's uh, like 40,000 square feet of meat making heaven, and we can finally build a pallet. And hold an inventory. And now I haven't been there. I haven't been there in a while. Are you guys busting at the seams yet in yeah, that we're space? Expanding right now. Yeah. Not busting at the seams yet, but we are starting to expand drying rooms. We maxed out the lines, dry room this smoking year. Smoking lines. Mm. And yeah, it's awesome. All right, so that you have the, the the main meat plant, which is where your corporate offices are, also, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you have how many restaurants now? Two restaurants and three Five fast total. Casual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, five total. soon. Yeah. <laughs> we are opening the next one in a couple weeks. Uh-huh. Those now, are what open. about the motorcycle hot dog cart? <laughs> yeah, that happens too, yeah. So we do 13 farmer's markets a week, and then we operate the mobile uh, hot dog cart that's around town all the time and doing catering gigs. And uh, then we also have a hot a motorcycle, a BMW motorcycle delivery vehicle that is uh, Michelle's biggest folly. Yeah. I let them purchase that on a whim. and That wasn't there. It was Elias amazing. I wasn't there. gone. And I came home and Michelle finally like, that, oh, so you can't even fun. be mad at Eli No, for it's not it. me. I get to be mad. It's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, it's like she, yeah. she's so good with money. And I come home and I'm like, we bought a motorcycle? And I don't even have a... My partner, Nate, convinced a me for, into a it. Fork, it wasn't even Tyler? No. And what's me. it called? It's called the... What's it called? The... 
We have the ambulance, which is our delivery right. truck. The ambulance. That's the Das Wiener Mobile. Das Wiener Mobile. Das Wiener Mobile. Okay. And then we have the Das Wiener Mobile, but yeah, and then the which is do you make Nate run it? <laughs> when if he when that time. gets out, yes. <laughs> and he does it. He'll like go do errands and pick up and deliver things. But it's, uh, yeah. So I have to ask, do you have a favorite product? I know it's like asking what, who your favorite child is. Yeah, I, not always, really fair, I, but. I, always, I always go back to my Saucy Sunday Arl. You know, the, it's the, the fermented sea salt salami that's just salt and fermented pork, and it's the most difficult one to produce. And it was one that I Because you can't really hide behind any flavors, peppers, right? Peppers, and you got to yeah. be really good at what you're doing. And if your molds are bad, you're going to taste it. If, it's, if there's any, you know, your pork's cheap or anything like that, you're going to taste it. Um, and it changes throughout the year. Um, so I, I really, really, really love that one. It's frustrating. I throw more of that product away than any products. Mm. But when it's perfect, it's really, really perfect. So I always do that. But right now it's Landrock Schinken <laughs> also. I mean, just won there. an award. That, you know, yeah. you got to be happy when your kids yeah. get A's, right? That's Promoter. how it works. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, something I wanted to touch on is that as you guys have grown, you have become a very large market for the farms that you work with for uh-huh. the pork. Um, and I think that's really interesting as far as looking at, you know, looking at the award ceremony last <clears throat> night and looking at how food and how good food can have an effect on sort of a larger community mm-hmm. um, than just this one, which, you know, I think from the outside can sometimes seem very insular. And it it is very friendly mm-hmm. and collegial, mm-hmm. but I think that that's super valuable. So I was wondering if you could touch a little bit on sort of how you procure your pigs, yeah. um, but then how you've affected kind of the farms you work with. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so actually through Sarah Wiener, um, she introduced me to a gentleman named Will Cole that was doing his master's in Yale uh, in forestry. And we started talking and about, I guess this was last year, we convinced him to come and do a full audit on my process and to, to every, look at everything that we're doing and, and actually giving us a full review on the impact that we're having on Oregon. You know, we've, we're very upfront. We've always wanted to make sure that if this thing is growing, we're doing it. We're going to make Oregon a better place and make the land a better place. And we're going to do everything in that. That's easy to say, but it's hard to, like, really focus and make sure that you're doing it. And we wanted that third person to come in and look at all the slaughterhouses, look at our farmers, tell us what we can do to make it a better place. And then he's done that. Um, and so right now we're in the, the midst of trying to actually maybe change the way that everyone in Oregon is uh, getting their pigs. We'd like it to be a multi-species ranch, not only have singular species, ideally. Oregon in the West, as you know, is cattle country, and yep. it is really, really difficult. We are learning to have cattle ranchers look at it and be like, hey, look, look how great these pigs have done for this ranch as tilling the soil and taking out invasive species, and you know, you're able to ranch on every square inch or mile of your ranch now try this and they're like well we're not pig farmers and you're like, no i don't care what you are like just please just see this and so right now we have three uh, wonderful ranchers that are on the hook have seen the process have really done it and are working for and then this will be our model three that we will hopefully be able to spread throughout oregon you know last year we went through twenty thousand hogs in a year that's a a lot wow. of pigs. It know? is. It's a, yeah. And if we, if you can easily see why people go the conventional way of feedlots and bad pulls, and it's hard to make sure you're doing everything you can to keep the pig source going the right way. Um, 
but yeah, so that's we're, we're, we feel really, really good about it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be our most exciting year because now we're thinking, you know, we, we're the market now for pork in Oregon, mm -hmm. which is Are so Are you the weird. largest single purchaser think, of pork in the I state? I really think we're pretty <laughs> close. Yeah. And so now we're like, gosh, we actually have the opportunity to make such a difference for Oregon because Oregon in the last five years has really decreased their pork. And so, you know, we have to go into Washington, Idaho, Montana and stuff to get pork. And, and we're like, this is crazy. We have all this beautiful land and, and it's a lot of cattle land. And so we're just like, how do we, you know, make it so that the, the, the farmers feel comfortable. So doing some like long-term contracts and, you know, that, but we still don't end up with a salami that costs $30 because I think right. that's such a, you know, Very like, important piece, yeah. like it's so important to me to be able to look at the whole model of how we get our pork and eliminate the things that don't really matter, but make sure that the farmer has a good living. Mm -hmm. You know, we sell our product, we can support our families and do all this and like, and that the consumer at the end still can afford the product. And so right. it's something we've just really been working on a ton of business models and that kind of stuff to see how we can do it. And so we're like literally taking these farmers, these three farmers and we're like, okay, drop every cost you have in here and like, let's figure this out and let us look at like, maybe we can help you with transportation. Maybe we can negotiate some slaughter. Maybe we can move a product, other products that you can't move like chicharrones or like figure out different things. Cause I mean, Eli's amazing at charcuterie and he can turn any part of that animal into something delicious mm -hmm. so right. far. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. proved I mean, that. And yeah. so like why not? We have the market. And so yeah. and we, it's just Yeah, we find it we find it so shocking when we talk to ranchers and most people that are in agriculture that they're completely comfortable losing money and not making a quality living. Yeah. You know, like, a lot of the ranchers if they break even and don't need like federal funding to go through, they're fine. And we look at it like I don't that's not we can help you like let yeah. let uh, you guys if we focus on moving this pig and making it the highest quality product and you focus on your land and ranching let's make sure you guys have a, a living and as a it salary. should be because yeah they're, they're locked into a cow and calf operation and they're getting the return on their investment every year and a half and we can simply show them with one sow you'll get six months. nine right. six months nine piglets and we'll, yeah. we'll take every pinch you grow now you just yeah. start moving your way and and I think we, we at least we hope that once we get a few of these model ranches up doing it with the multi-species and rotating the, the pigs after it, and it does the improvements that we've seen to land, that it's going to start coming in a quicker cycle. I hope so. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's impressive that you guys have grown to the point to be able to have that effect. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's also the, the tactic you're taking, right? I mean, imagine, imagine if Smithfield Ham felt the same way, right? Oh. right? Imagine uh -huh. if Oscar Mayer felt the same For way, sure. what that would look like to the entire meat industry. Well, and, and, and I want us to be the people that prove that it's a sustainable way and we can bring it to the customer yeah, in at an affordable price because that is the only way we're really going to make a change mm -hmm. because yep. if everybody can afford this, mm -hmm. then you have all these buyers and everyone will right. go, go towards right. this model, but we are very optimistic and yeah. <laughs> idealistic, and but I think it's possible. And we see it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really, I really think that it, we, we, once the model happens and people see that it is possible as a family and like, you know, we don't have to be a big corporation to make this big change that it's going to happen across America. You know, yeah. Once you make an example and you really start pushing it. And I mean, that's, that's a good point too. I, you know, I, I find it um, <clears throat> encouraging in the, in the world that, you guys have continued to grow, but also look at how many more charcuterie makers are mm -hmm. featured here. Yeah. Absolutely. 
and how many more there are in the country now. And it's like the market isn't slowing, right? I mean, it's sort of like somehow the Good Food Awards and the Mercantile and, and this whole specialty food world has like opened a door just a crack in the consumer interest mm-hmm. in products that people in lots of places didn't even know was out there yeah, because they didn't have no accessibility to it at all. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not like suddenly there's more sausage makers and you guys are seeing a hit on your business. Your business no. continues to grow. No. More people are getting into it. Their business is growing. It's better for the farmers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the economy that this all represents is continuing to grow, which is really positive. And so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I love seeing a kid look at their mom and be like, I want a Lucanica, and realize, like, five years ago, nobody even knew yeah. what a Lucanica is. And now right. I thought there was Greek salami. Salami, yeah. or, you know, <laughs> They're just used to any of Italian those. salami. Yeah. And so, yeah, it look, it's like cheese to me, like, 20 years. You know what I like, Sure. No, brie was like, oh, wow, you've got special or brie. Or bread. Look at and bread 30, yeah, exactly. 35 years ago in oh, this yeah. country. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, so charcuterie's coming up. And it's great. Like, the people, it's, the education part is great. You know, bologna's yeah. delicious. Yep. People are finally seeing it and all <laughs> it's, it's getting respected, delicious. you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, Eli, tell me about your dogs. Awesome. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> thing ever. Uh, the, I mean, I know you have a couple cats, too, but they, yeah, they, don't, they don't show up in your Instagram uh, nearly yeah, they, as much as your dogs. They don't give me dinner ever. The, do- <laughs> the dogs, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if we have an amazing nine-month bird hunting season in Oregon, where, which is just amazing. And so if you have yourself a bird dog, which I have two now, uh, Leather and Utah. Utah's, like, only 17 weeks old. He's adorable. And, uh, yeah, we hunt birds nonstop. And I think I have six in Olympia provisions from the breeders. So we have six Britneys that we can go hunt birds and it's the best thing in the whole world you know nothing not in Olympia provision our friends have <laughs> not, yeah, dogs they're in the circle of <laughs> thank, Olympia thank you Michelle provision. for pointing out yes if the USDA is listening the dogs are <laughs> yeah. not in the in factory the <laughs> uh, yeah but it's yeah, I, I love it more than anything it's the best way to spend a, a day off in the whole world is running behind your dogs and trampling through beautiful country of Oregon and shoot dinner and then find mushrooms on the way back and huge roasts and, you yeah. lucky Motherfuckers, man. So New good. York, you can't really do that. I yeah. mean, you can, but it's not the same. Well, you're my big homie, so come out anytime. I, I, I will make I, this happen. I, I definitely will. So, <laughs> speaking of game, I have not, I have not done much hunting. I've not done a lot of consuming uh-huh. of game. Do you have favorites? I mean, are there, are there? Oh. I mean, I, I know that the um, mm. part of the draw is the event, right? Of being up early in the morning and being sure. out in the woods with your dogs, and there's uh-huh. a lot, you know, a lot of that that's really yeah. awesome. But are there particular birds that you prefer to go after 100%. for eating? hundred percent. Yeah. So, a true forest grouse when they they eat in this in the early fall they eat berries and so their entire crops are full of like blueberries and blackberries and their meat is like it's unbelievably sweet like a true berry and their fat really flavors because they're getting ready for winter right they're they're just loading up and then i really like to shoot late season wild turkeys because they eat a lot of juniper and pine and their like entire body taste of juniper so I, I mean, I love pheasant. They're fine. I mean, I, 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 I duck and pheasant and quail are all amazing uh, species. But and I still eat eat them way too much and love them more than anything. But if I get a good grouse, you're not going to taste it. I'll I keep those for myself. <laughs> and uh, turkey is the wild turkey once or twice a year. A good fattened wild turkey is just amazing meat. But yeah, well, you awesome. just got to come down and we'll right, show you. I'll, man. I will. I will go, come out. Let's go shoot some um, birds. Anything we're we're coming we're coming to the end here of our uh, of our interview, but anything you guys want to mention? You have another another restaurant opening uh-huh. soon, right? Yeah, our OP Worst brand, so it's just 
it's done for my restaurants on Fridays. We would do this thing called Frankfurter Friday, and we would do like crazy hot dogs and stuff. And so mm-hmm. we decided to like launch a brand all the way around like fancy hot dogs. It's expanded a little more into yeah. all of our sausages, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're pretty stoked about it. Yeah, you know, every sausage maker wants to have a beer bar, and we finally sure. are finally convinced him <laughs> to not only to eat my sausages, but we can have tons of delicious beer and eat sausages and have fun and yeah. I'd also like to say, please go to the Brooklyn Kitchen because it's an amazing place, and I love it so much. And <laughs> heard that. <laughs> and Harry's amazing. Well, thank Hi, you, guys. Hi, Taylor. Yep. <laughs> I, I hope she's listening. Maybe Moxie's listening. Moxie, oh, was, Moxie. My, Moxie was my co-host on my show last no week. Way. She was all school. Yeah, that's awesome. We are grooming Moxie to be the next generation of Heritage Radio hosts. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. You got a good one there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, everyone who's listening, thank you. You can uh, find out more about these guys and all the wonderful things that they produce at olympiaprovisions.com. And uh, highly recommend if you want to see pictures of Brittany Spaniels um, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, <laughs> hunting. Hunting and uh, game birds follow Elias Cairo uh, at Elias Cairo and if you want to see pictures of sort of everything in the Olympia Provisions kind of world follow at Olympia Provisions thanks 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 for having us guys that was fun thanks for listening today to Feast Your Ears the interview you just heard was recorded at the Fort Mason Center in San Francisco California the Good Food Mercantile January 21st 2017 Big thank you to Kristen Baylor, my producer here, and David Tattashore for engineering and making the trek out to California with us. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and all over the internet. Follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.